Welcome to Sports and Jesus. This is technically our fourth episode, but probably be the first one that many of you will hear because this is our first episode on iTunes. We are a podcast that discusses topics in the realm of sports and Jesus. So we've got a full house this morning. We've got uh, to my left, we've got Sensei Dan, who once found a whole chicken in his beard. Uh, we've got my co-host, Joy, who actually invented electricity in 1860 blue. Um, we've got <laughs> Garrett, who was actually raised by guinea pigs who thought they were wolves. Next to Garrett, we've got Andrew, who recently messed up his shoulder. Now he can throw a baseball 200 miles an hour. And next to Andrew, we've got Sound Doc, John Carter, who actually taught Nick Saban everything he knows. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, on the phone with us, we've got Stats, who has a cow, a pet cow that thinks it's a dog. So, yeah, we've got a, got a colorful crew here today. And uh, we are brought to you today by Prevail Missions International. Everything else, everything else I've said up to this point was a joke. This is no longer a joke. This is real serious. Prevail Missions International. That this is real. This is a, a real organization. I promise. It, it's real. Um, they help plant churches in Ukraine. I actually work with this organization, and um, have seen a lot of fruit there with uh, church planting efforts. And one day I would. I'm looking forward to telling you more about that. So we have quite a few interesting things on the agenda to discuss today. The first would be college football, college football. So as of now, when we're recording this, the national championship has not happened yet. So we have no idea who the national champions are. Probably by the time you listen to this, you already know that it's Georgia. I mean, that... Yeah. Um, anyways, so college football. It's been a pretty crazy season. And um, we've had a problem with our first few episodes where we plan for a certain number of minutes and we end up doubling that amount of minutes and even more than that. So what we're going to do to save time is we're about to all, we all have some really awesome, exciting cool opinions about what's happened this year in college football, all seven of us. So what we're about to do is just give those opinions for about 30 seconds at the same time. So that means you have to listen to this episode at least seven times so that you can hear everyone's individual opinion. And if you want to undownload it and then re-download it to help our numbers, feel free to do that also. So, here we go, guys. You ready for this? 30 seconds of your college football takes on three. One, two, three, go. Uh, I just started to do weird things. I don't understand it. One hand. One hand. Kyle and Jake Tackle. With one hand. I just started. Is this pet cow going to move? Or is it going to move? Because he thinks it's a dog. He's a beast. Kitty pig's kind of scary. I don't really like dollars. I mean, I don't understand. I mean, the players are the ones making all the money. Nobody can get on this. It's very confusing. The guy, one guy had one hand. It's a cowgo moo or wolf. It's a pet. He had one hand. He had one hand. 
I, I saw him cause a fumble with the hand that was missing <laughs> one time. Are they national Mayfield champions? was not able to grab the same statisticals that he's been used to <laughs> Those true sports and Jesus listeners will get that inside joke. If you didn't get it, then uh, you need to go back and find our old episodes. All right, so I feel like we covered uh, just about everything in college football there um, and everything with cows. I heard some some of that going on also. So, um, I mean, if he has a a pet cow that thinks it's a dog, does it go moo or does it bark like a dog? Hey, stats, <laughs> stats, can you hear us? Yeah. All right. Um, does your pet cow? Yeah. That thinks it's a dog. Does it moo or bark? Both. Both. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. All right. That was Whatever. really going to bother me. All right. That that clears that up. Uh, thanks, Stats. We'll holler back at you when we need you so you can put yourself on mute so we don't hear all those crazy noises. All right. So <laughs> this year we've had something new happen in college football while we're on the college football t- topic, and it is early signing day. For those that aren't aware, this is the first year that you players, recruits from high school, could sign with what college they're going to go to in December instead of in – well, they can still sign in February. They can also sign in December. Some fans are excited. Some fans, uh, especially of one team in particular, are not as excited because for the first time in like 35 years, that team doesn't have the number one recruiting class right now. So – Luckily, uh, there's a couple of us at two different ends of the spectrum on, on our view of this. So, um, Kaching, Garrett, what is your what do you think about the early signing day? What's, what's your opinion on this? Uh, my opinion on early signing day would be uh, it causes way too much chaos in the midst of championship games and getting prepared for bowl games. Um, Having to go from having a month to prepare your team to travel. I mean, say you had to go to California, get prepared to travel over there, deal with the adverse conditions of the weather, playing those games. Well, now in the midst of that, you have to travel all over the country and go recruit, which takes away time from coaching up the team. Which, but I mean, I guess another thing is, though, it I think it gives – opportunities for other teams to kind of catch up because I mean for example Texas don't really have nothing to lose at this point being six and six or seven and five whatever they are so they can go spend their time recruiting go ahead and get ready for next year while Alabama you know was having to get ready for the playoff so I would say Alabama has a more stressful time with it than Texas would this year okay so let me let me get this straight what you're saying is the teams that are playing in the championship in the playoffs it's more difficult for them than it is for other teams who haven't had as much success that season. Yeah, or who have more or, or less to lose by going ahead and getting prepared for the next year. Okay, so it almost gives a little bit of an, of an advantage to teams that didn't have as much success. And that's why I like it. As many of you know, I'm a Tennessee fan. We had zero success this year except for like one play against Georgia Tech. <laughs> and everybody else around here is an Alabama fan who has had zero unsuccess except for a couple of plays against Auburn. 
And so this is why we're on, on two different ends. I think it's great. I think it kind of is like, like in the NFL, when you do the draft, the teams that had the worst record get the first picks. And so what that does is you get seasons like this season where in the NFC, out of the eight teams that made the playoffs, only one team made the playoffs last year. So you had a complete flip of the NFC. And I think that's that's great. You don't see the same, well, other than the Patriots, but I don't know. We don't know how they do that. They deflate their balls. But anyways, <laughs> other than that, you see teams that are good one year, bad the next year, and vice versa. And I think college football, and this is from somebody that's not an Alabama fan saying this, <laughs> college football, could it would be better if we saw more of that, if we didn't see. Because we've had the playoffs, what, this is the fourth year we've had the playoffs? And it's been basically the same mm-hmm. 10 or 12 teams in the playoff every mm-hmm. year. I mean, Clemson's made it three times. Alabama's made it four times. Ohio State's made it twice. Um, Oklahoma's made it twice. And then you have some others that have made it once. But you see those same teams at the top every single year. And so I think what this does is it does give an advantage to some of the teams. It didn't really give Tennessee that much of an advantage this year because we signed a, a coach like three days before the early signing day period. But it does help. Like in the SEC, some of those teams that weren't playing when Alabama played, they could spend more time. Towards it. I mean, let's be honest. Y'all are whining about the number five recruiting class to the number one recruiting class. Well, we're excited that we're not like the 56th recruiting class like we were before we signed Jeremy Pruitt. So we will um, – I feel like this is going to be our uh, our next poll. So we'll put this up on the – follow us on Twitter, Sports and Jesus Twitter. Joy, you going to put that on the poll? We've got it right here. Speaking of that, Joy, can you uh, – while you've got Twitter pulled up, do you have Twitter pulled up? Yep. Can you – Check our last poll from our last episode like eight months ago. Eight months ago. Let's see. Uh, for those of you that don't remember, uh, we were debating on who, if the Washington Redskins had to change their mascot because of racial issues, which I think most of us probably think that it would be good if they changed their mascot. What should their mascot be? What's a really intimidating animal that would be a great mascot? Bobcat. Uh, a bobcat, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Thank you, Andrew. What what were first of all, what were the options, Joy? Was the great sharks, the rabid kangaroos, the tarantulas, and the great land orcas. <laughs> the great sharks won with fifty percent. Really? Ooh. Ooh. All right. We've got a special treat for you listeners of Sports and Jesus. Um if you've listened to some of our episodes before, we Repeatedly talk about uh, Campbell Illustrations, our buddy Hunter Campbell that does our artwork, the Sports and Jesus artwork, if you like it, and he does some other stuff like that. He has agreed to draw what that what was the great sharks. Yeah. What a great shark we um what a great shark would look like, and it will become our mascot, our show mascot, which is cool. Not many shows have a mascot. Winning on that. So, let's shift gears a little bit. What was the poll question again? Oh, yeah. The poll question is, did you... Early signing day, question mark. Yep. Nope. Simple enough. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Put yep, put nope, and then put nope, and then parentheses put I'm an Alabama fan. (laughs) Important distinction. Roll tag. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put in parentheses. Put no. Put parentheses. Roll tight. And I, I will say this real quick. Um, just adding to the thoughts on this. What was the whole purpose for adding the early early signing day? I would. I don't really see another reason for it other than to add the ability for other teams to kind of catch up. I mean, I don't see what the other purposes would be of it. I think the main two reasons are a. It makes Nick Saban man. That's always fun. B. Or two, is that the players that have now signed with the teams now they can enjoy their last semester of their senior year in high school. They yeah, that's have, true too. They don't have to think anymore about. They know exactly where they're going, when they're going, what they need to do, and so they don't have to think about it anymore. They don't have. They don't get any more phone calls from other coaches. They're just. They know where they're going. That's a good point. That's a Which, good point. The players seem to get lost in all this. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Don't have to worry about people asking them where are you go and what you know. What, what's your decision? What's your decision? What's your decision? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So um, shifting gears a little bit, we have. Uh, if you follow us on Instagram, if you don't, you should. If you follow us on Instagram, uh, at one point we posted a picture where we're going to start kind of a, a segment here that we do often, where we go through different colleges. And we talked through who would be in that college's sports Mount Rushmore. So the rules are, obviously Mount Rushmore, there's four. So who are the four best athletes in the three major sports? Football, baseball, basketball. Um, those are really the only rules. I think, are, should we make a rule that no coaches? Yeah, I like that rule. Okay, okay, no coaches. Joy likes no coaches. So no coaches. So today we're going to discuss Auburn because none of us are Auburn fans. No, no. Praise no. the Lord. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> none of us are Auburn fans. We're all Alabama fans. I'm a Tennessee fan. And Stats is a Mississippi State fan. Yes, they do exist. <laughs> we got We got a hell state from Stats there. So, um... Auburn's Mount Rushmore. Kaching, who would you put on number one on Auburn's Mount Rushmore? Uh, I think the most obvious choice has to be Bo Jackson. I mean, 4,300 rushing yards, 43 touchdowns, almost seven yards a carry for his career. Those are pretty outstanding numbers. That's nice. I think that's one of the first times we've ever actually used stats on this <laughs> <laughs> on this show. I like it. I like it. Sounded yeah. sounded really good. Okay, um, I agree with that. Are there any, any disagreements on that? I think it's pretty obvious. You can put Bo Jackson up number one. He's probably gonna be the first head up there. Um, Joy, who you got number two? Uh, Tim Cook. He took over Apple. <laughs> That's a good point. All right. You um, said no coaches, so. I, I think we said athletes in the three major sports. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. I think you'd have to – I'd go with Barkley. Okay, yeah. Charles Barkley. I think I agree with that. He, he made a lot of shots. Oh, here we go. He had uh, 14.1 points per game and 9.6 rebounds per game he averaged. Nice. And he was on Space Jam. So I think he was huge. on Space Jam. Wasn't he? he was. I watched Space Jam. The, my daughter watched it for the first time. I watched it again the other day. That, that's a great movie, guys. If they make a remake, I'm boycotting. The, I'm not dealing with it. 
Unless Charles Barkley's in it. I think third, <laughs> I think um, maybe Frank Thomas. He's our first baseman for the White Sox for years. Played baseball at Auburn. Also played football at Auburn. I think he's probably the the most well. Auburn fans, you're probably going to be able to name people that we don't know about. This is just kind of off the top of our heads. But I think uh, Frank Thomas has been a big Auburn ambassador and was one of their greatest baseball players, especially looking at his, his pro career. And he played two sports, just like Bo did. So, um, so third is going. Our fourth is going to be kind of where the debate is, because um, we've got a few options. I think. I think I'm. Me and Garrett would agree. We're probably going to put Cam Newton up there. Yeah. But the question is, he was only at Auburn one year. So do you put a guy up there for what? Now it's probably the greatest year in their most important sport, and he was the single reason for that great year so is there is there a cam newton statue at auburn yes i think there is yeah okay heisman i think all the heisman winners get one there okay okay who's the other heisman winner at auburn pat sullivan so you had cam Bo, and pat and sullivan pat? okay pat sullivan was 70 i think 1970 okay do you have any stats do you have any stats for pat I don't have any stats for Pat Sullivan. No <laughs> right. For All Pat right. Sullivan. Well, it wasn't planned for bringing some Pat <laughs> Sullivan stats. Okay. I think we've also got Cadillac. Yeah. Maybe as a possibility. And uh, Ronnie Brown. Now, if you could put those two guys together, like half Cadillac face, half Ronnie Brown face, maybe, maybe that could compete with Cam. Together, they would have like 6,500 yards and like 72 touchdowns together. Okay. Yeah. So they'd be probably over Bo if you could put them together. <laughs> but um, who is that? Wasn't there another running back in that backfield that was really good? Well, you had Jason Campbell, too. And then Kenny Irons was two years after that. Kenny Irons was somewhat. Yeah. I don't think you're putting him over Cam, though. No. See, we, I had, don't... A, we had a listener say uh, Tim Hudson. Okay. Yeah. That's – Shout out to nah, – I'm not going to say it. <laughs> That that's a good one. That's a strong one. Uh, well, okay. So I think we're saying Cam or Tim Hudson, and uh, just a stat for Cam why he's. I mean, it's ridiculous. Forty three hundred yards and fifty touchdowns in one season, and won every game. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, that's crazy. That dude was unstoppable. So story story time. Me and Joy went that year. Went to a game. Auburn LSU. We did not have tickets to that game. I don't know what we were thinking or why we even went down there. But <laughs> we went to a game. We're walking around outside the stadium at halftime, and somebody working at the gate, no lie, this really happened. Somebody working at the gate looked at us and was like, Hey, y'all wanna come in? We're like, Yup. <laughs> so they just let us walk in. Auburn, LSU, you know, that at that point, I think, like, Auburn's number, like, one, LSU's number three. They're both undefeated, maybe. Patrick Peterson's playing for LSU. So we were in the stadium when Cam Newton stiff-armed Patrick Peterson on the goal line that year for free, for free. We were able to, to walk in that stadium. And that was, that's when I noticed he was a freak was that game. I mean – you got got six foot six, two hundred and sixty pounds, and he's outrunning the number one cornerback in the entire country. I mean, they just there's not many players that you could say that about. So we could spend a lot of time on it. I think we we'd all probably agree that it's Cam, 
Um, hey, Joy, you want to put this on the poll also? Yep. Would you put Cam Newton? Uh, I could I almost forgot his last name just then. <laughs> He's playing right now, isn't he? Yeah. But would you put Cam Newton or Tim Hudson or Cadillac Ronnie? Or Tim Cook. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So moving on from that, let's uh, talk a little about my favorite sport, basketball. Um, quick college basketball thoughts. Duke's going to win it all. We got this. Um, I'm a Tennessee football fan. I'm a Duke basketball fan because Tennessee typically isn't very good at basketball. They're also not that good at football, but I'm kind of stuck in football. And um, so I've been a Duke basketball fan since Jason Williams played back in the day. But uh, so Duke's got a great team this year. I think they're going to win it all. I think uh, their biggest competition might be Michigan State. Y'all got any other sleeper teams maybe that you might throw up there as? Looking Nova. good. Nova. Uh, Villanova's got a good team this year. Was it Brunson? Is that his name? Point guard. He's tough. Question. Question who's, from Andrew. Who's gonna be coach? Who's gonna be the next coach at Duke? Um, coach K is immortal. So. <laughs> Check. <laughs> he's, he's never dying. So. Um, well, no. Bobby Hurley, maybe. I think it'll be. Jeff Capel, who is the assistant coach now and has been there. He has head coaching experience. I think he coached Oklahoma, and he's a Duke guy, been there for a long time. Um, I think he's I think he's the guy. I think um, I would like it to be probably Bobby Hurley just because Capel has had to coach last year when Coach K was having his back issues and stuff, and he, he didn't do so well last year, I didn't think. Um, and Bobby Hurley's awesome, and he's done great everywhere he's been. But I think they'll probably – because like, it's kind of almost like Capel is there to replace Coach K eventually, kind of like uh, Kirby Smart was at Alabama for a while, and then y'all, <laughs> y'all lost that. <laughs> Look at what you lost. Oh, man, it always comes back to football, doesn't it? So what's crazy <laughs> about college basketball, real, real quick while we're on this, I was just thinking about this the other day. You know, there's a lot – college basketball, the big thing now is you play one year, you go straight to the NBA. Can you think how crazy college basketball would be if that wasn't the case? If players still played four years? I mean, just, just those out there, Duke's team, their starting lineup would be Jalil Okafor, Brandon Ingram, hmm. Jason Tatum, Grayson Allen, and Tyus Jones. And, and you got – or Justice Winslow probably over Jason Tatum. Then you've got Jason Tatum, Marvin Marvin Bagley. You've got Luke Kennard. I mean, <laughs> playing in the NBA, right? Like all these guys are on the bench right now. If you had guys play for four years, I mean, you think about Kentucky's team this year. Yeah. If you had guys play for four yeah. years, I mean, that. I think it would be more lopsided than you know the college football playoff is right now because it's like, I mean, Duke and Kentucky. It's every single year one of them's got the number one recruiting class, and. I mean, I don't think it would be a question of who was going to win the national title every year be one of those two. Just with the recruits they get, if they were had to stay a minimum of three years, I think that's a, a benefit to other teams that they can leave after one year because you have freshmen that are immature that make mistakes in big moments. And I think that gives other teams like Michigan State opportunities. So, I think just to, to kind of push back on that, the only thing about that would be you know, I just named, like, how good Duke would be. Probably, though, if, like, 
Jaleel Okafor and Justice Winslow were still on Duke, probably guys, some of those other guys wouldn't have gone there. I mean, you think some of like the big recruits that Duke and Kentucky get year after year, they wouldn't go somewhere like Kentucky if they knew they weren't going to play until their senior year. And that's a good. That's a good. Point. So it might spread the mm-hmm. wealth more. Do so you think teams. it'd be better for college basketball if they extended it or just didn't have it? Didn't okay. have the rule. Okay. So I'm trying to think better for college basketball or better for Duke. Um, <laughs> I think it'd be better probably for college basketball just because because a lot of these superstars, like you'd see more superstars at more teams, I think. I think if you had the five stars, like you wouldn't see like all 15 five stars Duke has gotten in the last four years on one team yeah. or, for, or for Kentucky. So I think some of those five stars you might get a couple picked up by – you know, some other SEC teams or a couple picked up by some other lower-tier ACC teams. Or or even I think you'd see guys, like, stay closer to home, if that be the case, too, and, and go to schools maybe cl- closer by, I guess. I don't know that. I mean, Coach K can recruit, and he might could talk a kid into coming in there and sitting for a while. But that's what I, th- I think it would be better. And I don't know if it – It'd still be pretty good for Duke. I think Coach K would be able – because when players were staying four years, when guys like Shane Battier stayed for four years and and when those superstars stayed for four years, he still was winning championships even when that was the case. Because I think that's one thing with college football is like cause you can get so invested in a player because he's there for four years. Yeah. And just with Alabama's basketball, like I've seen such a resurgence of people watching it just because of Colin Sexton. Yeah. Yeah, almost Terrence Ferguson. You should have got him last year, but he went and played in China or something. But, um, okay, so while we're on this basketball topic, I also want to discuss um, the big question that you hear nowadays, and it was the it was the question, the question when I was younger, when Michael Jordan retired, was who's going to be the next Michael? And I think now the question is who's going to be the next LeBron? So first of all, like, let's say who was the next Michael? I mean, there really wasn't another Michael. I think, obviously, the closest to it, just on every level that came after him, would be Kobe. I think there's a big difference between Michael and Kobe. You know, Michael never re- um, had an affair. Uh, Michael never had an affair like Kobe did. Just gambled all his money. That's that's true. Michael probably, let's be honest, Michael probably had an affair at some point. But... <laughs> Uh, I hope Michael Michael Jordan doesn't listen to this and get mad at us. <laughs> but uh, um, that was Joy that said that. By the way, Joy was the one that made the affair joke. Michael. Yeah, real name is Joseph. Joy. He can't know my real name. That's right, Josh. <laughs> um. So I think Kobe was the closest to. I mean, we didn't ever see. Well. I mean, Kobe was close. He won five championships. Yeah, he was... I mean, he he wanted to be the next Michael. That was the thing about Kobe. It's like that was Kobe. I mean, he stuck out his tongue like Michael. He like everything he did was trying to be like Michael. LeBron's a little bit of a different animal. I mean, what is it? Six six nine can play point guard. I mean, just two hundred and sixty pounds and probably like point one percent body fat. Yeah. I mean, this <laughs> can jump out of the gym. We'll probably be able to jump out of the gym when he's 45 years old. I mean, there's just – but in the sense of LeBron is such a difficult matchup 
and such. I mean, he can play multiple positions. I mean, who you think might be the next guy like that? That's just abnormal for his size. His if he's that big, he shouldn't be that athletic. Um, and we'll make this real quick because we're about we need to get into Jesus time. What do you think, Joy? Does he have to be playing now? No. What about that uh, kid, Zion Williamson? Oh, dude, that dude is an <laughs> animal. Yeah. If you, okay, if you don't know who Zion Williams is, go to YouTube right now. Pause the podcast right now. <laughs> go to YouTube. Put his name in and watch him. That dude can jump out of the gym, and he is massive. Yeah, yeah huge. Yeah, Duke's recruiting him. Um, <clears throat> I guess, I mean, I haven't seen him, so I I, I wouldn't know. Um. As far as I mean, everybody likes to talk about the Greek freak. The only difference I That's see with one. him, I think he's a great player and I think he's extremely athletic. It's just Le- the mass that LeBron has on him is just that's what separates him from for me from anybody else. It's just he's so big. Um, and then I thought at one point Ben Simmons, but I don't think Ben Simmons is going to have enough of a shot to. I yeah, think LeBron could better. really shoot though when he was young. I mean, that was his kind of the knock on him. I think it's obviously going to be LeBron Jr. Because they look exactly you the same. You can't go wrong in there. Their face. <laughs> yep. But another, another thing, I'll be, I'll be honest, I think we had a better shot at seeing another Michael than we do seeing someone who's that close to LeBron as far as the way he plays the game, the physicality, the athleticism he has for his size. I don't – Yeah. Uh, to me, he's like a one-of-a-kind athlete. I've never seen anybody like that. Right. That's it. His age is even more athletic, I think, than he was five years ago. Yeah. All right, we'll probably come back to this discussion on a, on a later podcast. Um, so now we're going to move into – so that's that's our sports section. And uh, usually we have some really cool transition um, into Jesus where we kind of do a topic that's kind of sportsy and Jesus-y, but uh, we don't have that today. So um, now we're going to talk about Jesus. Everything about God to me is mind blowing. I'm on that theology to keep my mind going. Shade tree theologian, I ain't wear suits. Sporting tattoos while I'm cruising through the institutes. John Calvin, that's moving. You might even catch me reading Wayne Bruton. Sound doctrine, that's what it's gotta be. Like that white cleft dictionary of theology. But nothing trumps the word, call it the Holy Bible. It is essential and necessary for our survival. Does not have a rival. Moving is not. Idol. If you preach it, then you liable to have revival, and that's what we need in our local churches. It's either dry as a bone or something like a circus, but it has been purchased so we can commandeer it. Lord Jesus, revive us with your Holy Spirit. All right, so it's the Jesus portion of uh, of this podcast. By the way, if you liked that song the verse of that song that's actually was our one of our producers sensei dan rapping on that song yep, yep. Uh, where where can you find that song at uh you can uh by the time this is released you'll be able to find it on soundspeech.co soundspeech.co you can catch it on uh, amazon music google play or itunes uh, just type in uh, Brother Daniel on either, either one of those, and uh, also some Brethren music you can the Brethren put on there if you if you like that song. There's more where that come from. So yeah, and, it, and the Brethren is on iTunes. They've got an album on on iTunes, and that's uh that's made up of 
of Sensei Dan here and Sound Doc over here and their their music. It, it's good stuff. It was recorded right here in this studio that we're recording this podcast now. It's uh, it's pretty awesome stuff. So uh, what we want to talk about today is just since this is our first episode, it's going to be on iTunes, first episode that a lot of you are going to listen to. We, kind of, we want to kind of lay a foundation for everything we talk about after this point. Um, so our topic of today is just simply the gospel. What is the gospel? What does gospel-centered mean? What are some some people define gospel different ways? Um, so we just want to talk about about the gospel. Uh, what does the word gospel mean? Um, it means the word that we translate gospel in the Greek. It just simply means good news. And when, when we use the word gospel, we mean specifically like what is that message? Um, that you have that you put your faith in um, in order to be saved or that you put for your faith in once God saved you that you put what is that core message to Christianity to what is that message that we must share with people that they must understand and um, so I want to talk through some a few different uh, a few different definitions by a few different people and just kind of work through our own definition. Um, Brother Dan, Sensei Dan, who's also one of the pastors at our church, um, if somebody were to ask you, what is the gospel, just short sentence or two, what, what would you say? All right, I decline on a short sentence or two, but right. I will make it very, very fast. Um, a triune God, Father, Son and Spirit, who is eternal, has created all things, and He is absolutely holy. He defines the meaning of what justice and righteousness is, and cannot even bear to see that which is crooked or unrighteous. He has created all things. He has created everything that we know, the reality that we exist, and He created the first human beings. The first human beings have sinned against Him and brought condemnation on themselves, and we, as their offspring, the first human beings, we have inherited that sin nature. That's why all of the brokenness and the hurt and the pain and the fallenness that we know and experience, that's where it came from, that first disobedience, and we are disobedient ourselves. That merits for us condemnation. This condemnation will will come upon will come upon all people everywhere at the final judgment. There is one way out of that condemnation. This triune God, the Father, sent his Son to die on a Roman cross, taking our sin, giving us his righteousness so that we can be made right before him. And we see we receive that through the means of faith in the Son and repentance. All right, so there you go. We'll be ending our podcast with it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if, if, you don't, if you're writing that down, if you don't put any periods in it until the end, it's only one sentence. Yes, there you go. So, I, Paul did that some in the New My Testament. Bad. I, could, I could do a sentence, but I just I don't, I don't want to. <laughs> so the gospel, I mean, this is kind of in, in all the way we all think in this room. Uh, we The gospel is... And we feel like we're accurate in this thought process. The gospel is central to all things. It's central to all things that we do, that we live. It's central to all things that we 
Um, the message that we have to share with people is central in everything that we do in our churches. It's, it is center. It's center of the universe. Um, so I think I've recently in the past few years, I've, I've seen a few different ways to define the gospel. I think that are all at the, have the same heart, have the same core. Uh, one way I think that it's really helpful you find in, um, find mostly in, in Matt Chandler's explicit gospel book where he kind of lays out two different levels of the gospel. You've got the gospel in the air and the gospel on the ground where the gospel in the air is the whole redemptive story of scripture of God saving a people to himself. And then the gospel on the ground is the, the center point of that story, which is death, burial, resurrection of of jesus um and we get death burial and resurrection of jesus uh joy you got a, a, a bible on that thing right there yeah <laughs> okay could you look up i know daniel can probably quote this off the top of his head but first corinthians fifteen four. And, and while he's looking up like that's it's like the whole story of the bible and then the event where everything in the story happens. Like if you've read a story, there's some place in that story where everything that's been happening in that story meets. It's been leading to this one event, and that's the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. You want to read that for us, Joy? Yeah, 1 Corinthians 15, 4, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. All right, so that's where we kind of get that 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 gospel right there, like that definition of the gospel. I think that sometimes can be one of the easiest. Like that's a lot of times when we say gospel centered, that's what we mean. Like everything we want to come back when we say gospel centered in our preaching, we say we want to that what you just read to be somewhere in the sermon. Um, we want everything in our message. We want that to be somewhere without that. There is no gospel without that core. There's no, there's no good news. Like that's, that is the good news. Um, there's a couple other verses, Joy, in there. If you want to be be looking those up that we can read just to kind of help define just some, some gospel-rich verses. You see that the next one there is Romans 3, 23 through 25. All right, Romans 3, 23 through 25 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. Amen. That's I love good. that verse. That's good. <laughs> Calvin that's... called it the marrow of theology. I mean, that's it. That's it. That's <laughs> that's it. Uh Second Corinthians five, twenty through twenty one. Yep. All right. Second Corinthians five, twenty through twenty one says, Therefore we are in we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Man, that's good. And it, for those of you that can't see, um, as Joy sits here in his, his tux, he's actually, he has a Bible, and he's holding down in front of him, and he's waiting until I give him the verse, and then he finds it really quick. For those of you that did Bible drills as a, <laughs> as a child, he's he's really fast at that. 
That's kind of his his superpower, I guess. Would you say? I'm the champion. Never lost. <laughs> <laughs> Never. <laughs> so, um, again, if you don't look up those verses, First Corinthians fifteen four, Romans three twenty three through twenty five. Second Corinthians five twenty through twenty one, and um, so there's this really cool if you if you YouTube and you YouTube gospel and you there's this really cool video that I think probably some of us have seen. Everybody, you should watch this. It's by a he's a Christian hip hop artist. His name's Propaganda, and he does just a spoken word on what is the gospel, and it's really cool how how he defines it. He breaks the word gospel into God. Our sin paying everyone life. And now that doesn't make sense as a sentence, but that's just kind of the steps of the gospel, that God God is holy, God is perfect. Our sin has separated us from God. Our sin, And it's not just that we at some point made a mistake, and now since we made a mistake, now we're not right with God. It's that we were born sinners. We were born separated from God and every motivation we've ever had has been sinful. Sinful isn't just an action. It's a, a state of your heart. And that everything that comes out of that is, is sin. Actions is just, sinful actions is just the external reality of what's going on in the, in the heart. So our sin is separate us. And then Jesus pays, paying the P in gospel, he pays for that sin. The only person that could serve, meet God's requirement, God's holy requirement, was God. So God came as a man, as Jesus, paid our sin on the cross. The resurrection showed that, I think as propaganda says in the video, that the death on the cross was the check. The resurrection shows that the check cleared. And then everyone is everyone that accepts that. Everyone that believes on that, everyone that has faith in that will be saved. Not one race, not one group of people, not one denomination, but everyone that believes in that is saved. And what is what is the fruit of that? And that's life. That's eternal life with God. And that's kind of a cool, simple way that he defines it. Um, an- another way I-, I like that I saw, John Piper defines it as plan. Um, God had a plan, event, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, Jesus achievement, propitiation, that he satisfied the Father's wrath. Um, Jesus achieved what he set out to achieve, and that was was saving people. Uh, free offer, there's a free offer, offer of this. Um, application, it's applied to us, and the result of that is to bring us to God. That He said a lot of people end with application, but the real reward is that this the gospel that what Jesus did that what he did on the cross it brings us to God so what does gospel centered mean so that's kind of a few different definitions of the gospel at its core it is God was holy we were sinful Jesus paid the price for our sins reconciled us to God and now because of that we are forgiven and live with him forever that's that's the core. That's our core message. That's our, um, that's there there. You can 
explain that. You can expound that for hours and hours and hours. I mean, I think we will spend an eternity just learning the expanse of what that means and what Jesus really did for us and what the gospel, how deep it goes. Uh, and gospel center, because that's, okay, a lot of the way I understood the gospel a long time ago at some point, I don't know if I, I don't think I was ever taught this, but just I thought the gospel is kind of like gets you in the door and then you move on to big boy things. But really, it, and I don't think anybody disagree with me here, the gospel is it. Like it's it's the door, it's the building, it's the, like it's what, it's everything that we have. Like we don't move on from the gospel, but all of our doctrine, all of our theology is rooted in the gospel. It all comes back to the gospel. And if you're, if you're teaching something that doesn't have that in it, or if you're around teaching that doesn't have that in it, then that's, that's not, that's not biblical. That's not honoring to God. It's not, we want to be gospel centered, the gospel at the center of, of everything we do. Is there anything you'd like to add to that joy? No, I think you nailed it, man. I think, uh, like what you had said, because, I mean, if there was anything else to add to the gospel, if we could ever understand it, then I don't know what the point of eternity would be. But the fact that we just, we sit there in eternity, just glorying in the gospel and what Christ has done for us and how wonderful he is. I mean, that's, that's eternity. And the gospel is life changing. It's just thinking about the, the men that are in this room and, some of you have heard your testimonies. Some of you, I've I've seen your testimonies. I mean, it's to see like the gospel transformation that's taking place in this room. I mean, to see like it's just guys, the gospel. Like that's all we have. That's everything we have. That's the message we have. That it should influence every decision we make. It should constantly be on our mind. We should the gospel. And if we really believe this. It should cause us to love Jesus so much that it just comes out of everything that we do. Um, quickly, just some resources that, that helps you might help you understand if you're wanting to build that foundation. You got Ray Ortland has a really cool book that's a part of Nine March's series called just Gospel. It's really good. It's um it's green, so it's really, really green. So um also, Greg Gilbert has a book called What is the Gospel That's Good. John Piper has a really good book called God is the Gospel, where he breaks down he breaks down every every time the word gospel is used in the Bible, every time that word good news is used and breaks down specifically what it's saying right then to kind of get a really well-rounded understanding of what the gospel is. Um, is there any other resources any of y'all would like to add that just helped helped you and your walk kind of clarify gospel? Yeah, I, I would say really, really quickly, um, it's it, it's it's more on the effects of the gospel, but uh, it's got it's a gospel centered book. So chapter three is all about the gospel, but justification and regeneration by mm. Charles Leiter is huge, man. It is very simple. It's a hundred page book. Um, it's not very well known, but it, it was really, really formative in my understanding of justification, what happened, uh, how, how God justifies us through the gospel, and then the effects of the gospel, the gospel and regeneration. Mm. That's good. 
think also um, the book of Romans. (laughs) (laughs) Very helpful. Um, Also, there are four books in the Bible called the Gospels. So, those are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, that's uh, Sports and Jesus. I think it'd be good to put up a link on our Facebook page to that spoken word video. Yes, we'll do it. Remind me of that. Except never. Listeners, if it's not up there after you hear this, remind us, please. We need your help. Um, So, thank you for listening. Um, Go follow us on Twitter and Instagram. This has been Sports and Jesus, and we'll see you soon. Lord Jesus Christ, our only chance, our only hope. Eternal life, God, you drowned it, boy. Better grab that rope. Better touch his garment. Better grab his robe. Confess, repent, believe before your heart gets cold. Don't trust the world's lies. You got to sever that root. Control, alt, delete, reboot. Now believe the truth. Hit him with the truth. Hit him, hit him with the truth. Hit him, hit him with the truth. Hit him.